All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick in order to get that deal and let's get on with the show. So Joe Biden has released his proposed budget and spoiler alert, he's going to spend more money than they actually have. I know you're, you're terribly shocked. Uh, but second spoiler alert is he wants to raise taxes. And in fact, he wants to create a new tax, which is completely unconstitutional. We'll be going over that and how it actually affects you. And for those of you who think, well, I'm not a billionaire or I'm not a business owner, I'm not an investor, so it doesn't affect me. We're actually going to get into the specific details on how, nope, it affects everybody negatively, except for one group of people. And we're going to tell you who that group of people is. Also, we're going to talk about the latest awakening at Disney. I mean, obviously they've been pushing a particular leftist agenda for a while now, but the executives are really doubling down at a level that parents and and some employees are actually taking notice of. We'll see what that means for the future of the Magic Kingdom. All this and more coming up on this episode of Making the Argument, where we make the arguments to defend a free society. Okay, first things first, because we're all going into tax season, and taxes are on our mind right now. And so Joe Biden has put out a new budget where he's recommending a whole host of new government spending, uh, on top of new tax increases in order to pay for that government spending. And so let's let's talk about what this is. So first of all, it's a $5.8 trillion budget. So you might be thinking, gosh, does the federal government have $5.8 trillion? No, of course it doesn't. That's not how this works. The government almost always spends more than it actually takes in. And then it pats itself on the back when it spends a little bit less than it was projected to spend. So for instance, Joe Biden, who's actually going to go, uh, let me see, $1.3 trillion right in the red on this budget. So out of, out of 5.8 trillion, 1.3 trillion of it is borrowed or printed. And then he bragged about how this cuts the deficit. Now, what's he comparing that to? Well, he's comparing to the deficit spending that was taking place during COVID, which again was problematic. It didn't help the economy. One of the reasons why we're dealing with all the massive inflation right now is a direct result of government wanting to spend money, not being able to raise taxes because you know it shut down the economy. And so trying to fuel all that through simply just printing more money. Right, so that's what they've been doing. That's why inflation is so high. And Joe Biden looked at all this and said, you know what? Gosh, maybe you can make an argument. I, I don't think you can, but maybe you can make an argument to the electorate that we had to print and spend all this money during COVID because there was a, there was a crisis. You can make that argument. And now it's time to recognize that we can't continue to do that and so now we're going to be fiscally responsible. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not going to do that, right? Especially not ahead of midterms. Now, what's crazy is a lot of politicians have operated off the assumption that, well, you don't lose your seat or you don't lose midterm elections by spending too much money. Well, when inflation is as high as it is right now, 
And when you spend the money foolishly, or you decide that the only way that you're going to raise the revenue is by taxing productivity, you can lose your job for that, right? And, and your party can certainly lose seats for it. So let's talk about how Joe has decided to make this a, quote, fiscally responsible budget, even though it goes $1.3 trillion in the red. Well, he's going to raise corporate income tax, or he's going to raise corporate taxes from 21% to 28%. All right, so that's a significant jump, significant jump in corporate taxes. The other thing he wants to do is set a minimum 20% tax on households worth more than $100 million, right? And that would hit income and, this is the part you need to pay attention to, and unrealized gains. Now, for those of you who have been listening to this for you know, more than two episodes, you've probably heard us talk about this whole concept of taxing unrealized gains. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail because that's the one that the left has convinced a lot of people it doesn't affect them. And it's only going to affect you know, millionaires and billionaires. And so why should they be concerned about it? In fact, they're not paying their fair share anyways. At least that's how the narrative goes. So the first thing to understand about this is, one, when you raise the corporate tax from 21% to 28%, this idea is, is that, well, corporations are paying that tax. No, they're not, right? But the, the thing that you need to understand is that a corporation is just a legal entity. Taxes are always paid by people. So some people think that, oh, okay, well, it's just the board members of the corporation. They're the ones paying the tax. Okay, well, once again, no, it's not as if they're the only ones affected by this tax. The way that the companies deal with corporate taxes is a couple different ways. One, they don't invest as much. Two, they don't hire as many people. Three, they don't give additional salaries or bonuses. Four, they increase the cost of the goods or services that they're actually providing in order to make up for the additional tax. Because a tax is a cost on the overall production and delivery of goods and services that you like. So what you need to understand is that the people that pay the burden of the tax is not some legal entity, right? It's not some, you know, rich corporate fat cat sitting in a boardroom somewhere, right? It's anybody that gets some sort of benefit from that business entity, right? They're the ones paying the taxes. So it could be, and this is the same thing with unrealized gains, but that's even worse, but it could be that, yes, the CEO is, uh, you know, there's less money for his or her bonus. Okay, fine. Uh, there's less money with respect to paying dividends to your investors, Yep, that's another consequence. Your goods and services go up as a result. Uh, another unintended consequence of this is the more expensive you make it to operate a business, especially someone operating on smaller margins, now you're running into a situation where essentially you're taking away the incentive or you're harming the incentive for someone to either continue into a business, especially in the early years where you're not making a lot of money uh, or you're potentially struggling. Yeah, you can write some of that off, but the more difficult you make it to actually make a profit, right? The less incentive you have to actually remain in that business. And so you shut down potential opportunities by increasing the tax, right? The, the way the saying goes is you get more of what you subsidize, you get less of what you tax. If you're going to tax something more, if you're going to make it more difficult to actually engage in a, in a productive business enterprise, you're going to get less of it. Or people are going to pick up their companies and they're going to relocate to other places which do not tax them at the same rate, Right? That's one of the things that we saw with, with U.S. companies uh, starting up or coming back to the United States when we lowered the corporate tax rate because our corporate tax rate, which is actually very high compared to the rest of the developed world, coming back to the United States, you raise that back up, you disincentivize new businesses, you disincentivize businesses headquartered in the United States, and you encourage them to go somewhere else. So that's one of the consequences. So whenever you see a politician saying, if we raise the corporate tax from this to this, we will gain this much revenue. What they're usually assuming with that 
is that every company will operate the same way. They will make the same amount. You have the same amount of startups. You have the same amount of uh, companies relocating to the United States. And therefore, they can project a certain amount of revenue that they're going to gain. In reality, you're disincentivizing the very thing you need in order to raise the revenue. And, and this is why raising taxes up to a certain amount actually doesn't produce the revenue that is oftentimes predicted is because you've disincentivized the very activity that you wanted in the first place. So that is how the cor raising the corporate tax affects everybody in the economy, not just corporations. Now, the unrealized gains, this is the one that is problem, problematic for a couple of reasons. One of the primary reasons is that I, I believe it is totally unconstitutional, right? The federal government has the ability to raise certain levies, tariffs, fees, and they can do an income tax. But this doesn't mean that the federal government has the constitutional authority to raise whatever tax they want whenever they feel like it. Right? A lot of people don't realize that because we're so used to the federal government taking our money that sometimes it's surprising to us that, no, there's, there's actually constitutional limitations on what they can do. Now, the way that the left is selling the unrealized gains is they're saying, well, this is only, if, this is only affecting these rich, fat cats who, you know, they don't take an income, they get paid based off of dividends, and so they don't pay the same uh, rate as uh, people paying just basic income taxes. And that's true to a degree, but it's true for a reason right? They tax income at a certain rate because income is coming in and it's somewhat guaranteed, right? It's somewhat consistent with as if like if you have a job and you're making that income and then the government taxes the income. When you're making your money off of dividends, that's completely tied to how well a company is doing. So you might be making a lot one day, you might be making less the, the other day, not to mention the fact that you're not constantly pulling out of the money that you're making simply because the value of your stock portfolio has increased, so if every time the government is taxing you, like if every time your stocks go up, the government is taxing you, well, they're forcing you to do one of two things. One, you either have to take money that you get from your other sources of income in order to pay that tax, or you have to sell stock to pay the tax, right? And that's problematic because companies are depending on the money that you invest in their company in order to hire people, in order to buy capital equipment, in order to function, and so if you're now creating this environment where wealthy people who instead of having all that money sitting in a, you know, underneath their, their bed somewhere, have taken that money and reinvested it in another company or another enterprise or, or hundreds of enterprises, you're now putting them in a position where you're punishing them for that investment. And so when the left tells you that, well, no, this is just for, for rich, greedy fat cats that, you know, we think should be paying more in taxes. No, it isn't. Right. Any business that they've invested in that they now have to pull money from is now harmed by this. Anybody working for those businesses are potentially harmed for it. Anybody investing in those businesses are potentially harmed for it. Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not a day trader, Nick. I don't, I don't go on E-Trade every day and trade stocks. You got a 401k? Chances are you do. And if you do have a 401k, this affects you. But what if, you're, what if you're one of those people that fall into that category of you don't work for the company, you're not an executive, you don't have stocks, and you don't have a 401k? Does this affect you? Yes, it does. Why? Because all that money invested in those companies are probably fueling companies that provide you with products and services that you're using. And if those prices now have to go up or companies start going out of business, you no longer have access to prices and or goods and services that, you were, uh, that were, you were used to, or you don't have access to them at prices that you can afford. So what the government is really doing here is they're essentially saying, we're going to make your life harder through the tax code, all right? But then we're gonna give, we're gonna give some of it back in the form of handouts. And this is why I say this sort of taxation, 
hurts the very people they claim to want to help. It hurts everybody else to include the people that they want to hurt. Because let's face it, for a lot of this, I'm sorry, I don't think this is good economic, sound economic policy. What this is really about is hurting people that some people in politics are envious of or that some voters are envious of. But the one group of people it absolutely helps is politicians. Because what essentially politicians are doing is they're saying, okay, this money was earned and created within the private sector. This wealth was earned and created within the private sector. And to earn wealth within the private sector, generally, all right, not, not all the time, but generally speaking, what you have to do is provide a good or service that someone has to voluntarily exchange with you. Right? So you can't force Walmart doesn't force you to buy their products. Safeway doesn't force you to buy their products right? Amazon doesn't force you to buy their products. You choose to do business with them, not because you care about them, but because you care about you. And if they're providing you a product or service that you want, need, or desire at, a, at a, 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 an amount that you're willing to pay, that is called a mutually beneficial transaction. Now, companies that do that really, really well attract more customers and they make more money. So the reason why they're making more money is not because they're greedy or even if they were, it doesn't matter because the way they're making more money is by making your life better. How do we know that? Because you wouldn't shop with them if they weren't. Now, the more money they have, the more they have the ability to expand to more customers, the more products that they can offer, the more people they can hire, right? All of those are positive things within an econo a voluntary economic transaction. But if the government comes in and says, no, 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 we're going to take a larger amount of that money away from you and we're going to spend it instead of you. So instead of the people that are actually engaged in the transactions, a third party comes on using violence or the threat of violence and takes that money. Well, who gets to spend it then? Politicians. Now politicians get to say, well, look, I just sent you a check. And if it wasn't for me taxing these these." evil, greedy, corporate fat cats, you wouldn't have had that money. Aren't I a nice person? No, you're a looter. You're a looter and you're a charlatan and here's why. Because that company was already doing something that I liked. That company was already providing a good or service that I wanted. And they were providing it at a price that I could afford. But because you took something away from them, now maybe the same product doesn't exist or now maybe I don't have the same access. Or now maybe I have to pay more in order to get what I wanted. So what they did was they made your life worse over here in the voluntary cooperation side, uh, on, the, on the marketplace where you were freely engaging with it. They made that environment worse and then tried to cut you a check to say, oh, look how nice we are. Because what they're hoping is when you show up to the store or when that job is no longer available or when you lose your job, what they're hoping is you'll blame everybody but them, even though they're the ones that created the conditions for that negative thing to take place. But they get to go around bragging about how they handed you a check for something or how they spent money on a program that you might think you might like. But never, ever forget the only way they got the money in the first place was not by creating it. The way they got the money was by taking it by force. And anything that they're giving you came at the expense of somebody else and it wasn't the rich fat cat they're telling you it is. It was everybody. And to tax unrealized gains especially, this, it's not like this hasn't been tried before. There was a lot of left-leaning countries in Europe that tried this and most of them are actually repealing that tax because it's really hard to enforce. It's really hard to actually do the calculations and, and collect on. And then what it does is it disincentivizes investment. And so you have people that are actually investing. And again, if you're a new person out there that is looking for a job 
or that wants a new good product or service or that is looking to start a new business, believe me, you are reliant upon investors. You're relying upon other people that have done a good job providing products and services to people, saved up money, and now, instead of just taking all that money and again, making a vault that they just stick it in, they're actually reinvesting it into other people and other companies. But if we're going to disincentivize that sort of behavior in the United States, there will be fewer opportunities. And then guess what those politicians who created the, fewer, the, the environment where there's fewer opportunities, guess what they're going to do? They're going to show up with a smaller check and they're going to say, here you go. And the, the assumption here is, well, you better vote for them because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't get that check. What they're forgetting to tell you is that if it wasn't for them, you'd have a job. You'd have access to more products and services at prices that you could afford. So no, they're Charlotte. They are not the good guys. And quite frankly, I've gotten to a point right now where it really, I find it really frustrating, not because I'm some big business owner. I'm not, not because I'm a super wealthy guy. I'm not, I'm not a wealthy person. But because I appreciate an environment where people can work hard and actually get something as a return for their investment of their time, of their labor, I appreciate an environment, that a free market environment, which creates an abundance of goods and services. I mean, you look all throughout human history. You know, people can afford things now and have access to luxuries now that they couldn't even dream of 50 years ago. Not because some politician was taking from one person and giving to another, but because we had an environment where anybody could work hard and get ahead. And yet it takes work. But the moment these politicians come in and disincentivize the very activities that actually provide the wealth in order to hand out checks so they can actually secure their own power base, no, you're not the good guy. You're some wannabe feudal lord operating in a 21st century model. That's all you are. And I don't have, it, I don't have respect for it. And, and I'm sorry, at this point, with all the knowledge that we have about how tax policy incentivize or disincentivizes people. With all the knowledge we have about people using force to get what they want, I'm no longer willing to assume, oh, you just have good intentions. It's one of a couple of things. You're either grossly ignorant or you're horribly envious. Sorry, I, 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 know, I know it's not a good idea to try to assign intentions to somebody, but at some point when, you're, when, you're, when your objective is, I'm going to use force to take to somebody else in order to give it to somebody else who I think is more worthy. I, like, I'm not going to create my own wealth to share with the people that I think need it. No, no, I'm just going to make my, my position will, in the economy will be to take what other people have earned and spread it around in order to get reelected. Sorry, I don't think you're the good guy. I, th I think at some point I can question your intentions if you continue to double down on that policy, even when it hurts the very people you think you care about. So these are just some of the problems with Biden's budget, right? And, and again, a lot of the spending he's going in there, they're trying to make up for this narrative that Republicans have called him on for a long time because it's absolutely true. When they were all running around talking about defunding the police, now they're saying, oh, we're going to fund the police. Yeah, okay, but it's their version of funding the police, right? So $32 billion going to various programs, that, that it's not like, okay, hey, law enforcement, here's some money that you can spend on. No, no, no. It, it all comes with a, a whole host of strings attached. They're increasing the defense budget in order to help out with Ukraine, which, which again, if, if you wanted to help out with Ukraine and you wanted to help what was going on, here's an idea. Uh, how about you unleash American energy? Because Russia's using oil revenues in order to fund its war efforts. And if the United States could actually put more oil within the market right now, it would lower the overall cost, which would be good for Americans, and it would hurt the Russians' war effort. 
But no, instead, we're going to print more money and then we're going to send it to Ukraine, which, oh, by the way, it, as much as I oppose what Russia is doing right now, let's not pretend that the Ukrainian government hasn't had its own problems with corruption. But again, this is, this is the way Joe Biden and so many on the left view these problems. Like, well, we just throw money off of it. Okay, well, we don't got any more. Just print some. Okay, well, that's going to lead to inflation. Oh, well, we'll just, we'll just blame companies for price gouging. So th- that's what's just ridiculous about every single level of this. The way that he's going to try to raise the money, the way he's spending the money. Um, again, he, he, he tried to narrow this down a little bit from what they had originally asked for. And this is why you have some people on the left going, oh, Joe Biden is, is actually um, you know, pulling away from progressive policy objectives. No, he, he's not. It, it's all very, very progressive. It's all spending money we don't have um, in ways that private citizens would never spend their money if you gave it back to them. It's, it's still very, very progressive. But it, I don't think it's going to help in the, in the midterms one way or another. Let's, let's move on to this whole di- issue with Disney right now because there was a video that was leaked of Disney executives and, and you had this one Disney executive talking about how, you know, as, as the mother of, I think she said, a trans child and as a pansexual child. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, a, a transsexual is obviously somebody that uh, is, is biologically one way but identifies as, the other, uh, as a different gender. A pansexual, as best I understand it, right? Because we, we, whenever we talk about pan, right? Like pantheism or something like that. It's essentially this idea that um, th- their gender is, is ever fluid and their attraction goes in, in essentially in any, in any and all directions. Um, so she described that. Again, fine. You're a free individual. Make your individual choices. Your, your child, again, hopefully your child is actually an adult at this point. We're not talking about, you know, you're, hopefully we're not talking about a young child that you're kind of pushing this onto them. Um, but they're all talking about how now they're going to significantly increase um, the kind of like gender identity um, stuff within their characters within Disney. And this video leak talked about how they were going to do that and how they were going to have more trans characters and how they're going to have more bisexual characters and, and everything else. What, what's interesting about this is that from the, from the left's perspective, as best I can say, is that they're saying, well, look, we're trying to normalize um, within society, within culture, the idea of transgenderism. We're trying to normalize certain sexual relations, sexual uh, relationships so that people don't think, oh, well, that's different or that's other or that's unnormal, right? That's what they're attempting to do. And they think that Disney is an appropriate place to do this. And obviously, there's a lot of parents pushing back on this going, wait a second. What you do as an adult is one thing. What you try to you know, push out to kids, this is why there's been such a, a problem with some of the stuff being taught in schools, right? They call it the don't say gay bill when in reality, it was the don't talk about sex to my third grader bill, Right? But Disney is basically coming out and saying they, they feel like they have a moral obligation and objective in order to, uh, again, w- from, a, from a cultural perspective, push more of these characters out there so it is seen as, well, this is, this, is no, um, uh, this is no different from a heterosexual relationship or a traditional heterosexual relationship. And so Disney is going to start pushing more of this. Um, and obviously, parents are upset about this. Some parents are upset about this. Some Disney employees are upset about this. Here's what this comes down to for me personally. Disney is a private company. Disney can make the decisions it wants to make. One of the problems that I think a lot of parents have from a conservative uh, perspective is not so much that a, a, a private company shouldn't be free to push the sort of things that it wants to push, right, or the ideologies of the content. But if you're going to do that, there's going to be consequences if I don't agree with the ideologies that you're pushing. Now, the immediate response from the left is, oh, well, you're a bigot. If you don't treat other 
relationships the same way you treat heterosexual relationships, if you don't treat other, even if you're not trying to use the law or use government to punish anyone for doing what they want to do, even if you're saying, no, 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 I think legally you should be free to do what you want, provided it's between adults, right? Like none of this pedophilia stuff that so many people on the left seem to be pushing these days. But as long as it's between adults, you're free to do it. But I, I don't, that doesn't mean I have to celebrate what it is that you're doing. It doesn't mean I have to put it on the same level with something else. To them, that's bigotry. I would argue from our perspective, like, no, it's, it's not bigotry. I might have reasons why I disagree with your particular position. I'm not gonna try to impose my views on you through the law. I'm not gonna try to punish you for your views. I'm not gonna try to do any of that. By the same token, I have a certain set of values that I don't think are, are wrong or mean-spirited or bigoted. They're different from yours. And they may correspond with religious beliefs. They may correspond with personal experience. They may correspond with any host of things. But if I want to promote certain values to my children, and if part of the values I want to promote to my children are, hey, you don't use the government to compel other people to do what you want. You protect and you preserve other people's individual liberty. Oh, by the way, these are our religious beliefs. We believe those religious beliefs are true. And if I believe those religious beliefs are true, then going against them or exposing my child, to, or especially at a young age where they, they don't have the capacity to actually think about these concepts in a, in a complex and logically consistent manner. If I don't think that's conducive, that's not me being a bigot towards somebody else. That's me saying that we have different opinions on this particular arrangement or this particular type of a relationship. And I'm going to stress to my kids that this is why we believe what we believe. And not only that, and here's the important part. You can disagree with somebody else's choice. And you can say that I don't think that, and the reason why I disagree with that choice is because I don't actually think it's good for you. Now, if the other person comes and says, well, I do think this choice is good for me. And I do think this choice is, is, is good and justified. They should be free to make that choice for themselves. But it doesn't make me or anybody else bigoted to come on and say, well, okay, here are the rational reasons why I don't think that choice is good for you. And I, and I would never dream of trying to impose my will through physical force or violence, whether it be privately or through the government. But by the same token, because I believe this is harmful to you and potentially harmful to someone else, I'm not going to celebrate or encourage it. See, that's what reasonable people do when they disagree. They have a discussion about it. And where they can agree or where they can compromise, they work together. And where they don't agree or they don't compromise, they leave each other alone. And one goes off and tries what they think is best. The other goes off and tries what they think is best. And reasonable people leave each other alone. And then reality or circumstances or perhaps logic and reason might cause somebody to change their mind. But we don't, we shouldn't use force, whether it's privately or whether it's through the government. But unfortunately, the new narrative is, well, no, if you don't agree with this, that makes you a bigot. That makes you ignorant. That makes you a bad person. No, it does not. I'm sorry, it doesn't. We may have different values and one day, hey, I think God will sort it out. Or you're, if you're an atheist, it doesn't matter, right? Because we're all just warm food when we go away. But the problem that I see with, with Disney and everything else is like, look, if you want to push this agenda as a private company, you're free to do so, okay? But if it doesn't correspond with my beliefs about certain things, then you have one of two choices as a provider of goods and services. You can take a side and alienate part of your customers, 
or you can stay neutral on something that is not necessarily important to your particular service, good or service that you provide. And, and it used to be once upon a time, most companies said, look, when I'm providing a service, the service is not necessarily tied to a particular political ideology. And so I'm not going to get involved in political ideologies. More and more companies have been forced into the political realm. And the one thing I just want to point out to everybody, are we happier for this? Legitimately, are, are we happier for living in an environment where everybody, no matter what the nature is of the, the economic transactional relationship, is now like required to weigh into every single political issue of the day? Because I would argue what it's actually creating, it's actually creating an environment where it is more difficult for people of different perspectives to come together and talk about these things because it's no longer about, hey, here's all the things that we have in common that have nothing to do with our political ideology, that have nothing to do with maybe our, our, um, you know, our, our underlying philosophy on certain things. And because we can still enter in those, into those spaces where we don't feel like what we believe is, is directly being challenged with everything that we do, from, from the movies that we watch, to the news that we read, to the taco that we eat, because we still have environments where we can go in there and actually get to know one another, it provides an environment where we can facilitate more understanding and more perspective. But if everything now is going to be instantly branded one way or the other, well, then this is the new world we live in. And don't be surprised when it actually costs you customers. And I know that I am increasingly getting to a point where I get so sick of the idea of, look, I just want to sit down and watch something or, or a game or a show, or I just want to be able to buy a product or go to a store in order to get something that I need without, being, without having a political ideology pushed on me. But if that's the new world we live in, then yes, I will adopt my, my processes as a consumer differently within that realm. And it's one of the reasons why I've been so encouraged by what Daily Wire is doing right now. Because Daily Wire has not only gone from like the news and the politics business into the entertainment business, but now they're getting into things like razors. Because again, what happened? Harry's Razors decided they wanted to go woke. I'm like, okay, fine. You want to go woke? We're going to compete with you. And honestly, that's what we need more of. If this is going to be an environment where all of our economic transactions and things like that are somehow flavored in some way, shape, or form by politics, well then, quite frankly, conservatives uh, or just you know, people that are center-right or libertarians or whatever it is, it's no longer going to be good enough to just say, well, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to pull back and you know, start my own compound. We're going to actually have to engage more into the marketplace and provide alternatives. And the, and the beautiful thing about the marketplace is that it should and it can rely upon peaceful transactions in order to determine what people really want. And so I hope we're going to go ahead and see more of that. But ultimately, I, I canceled my Disney Plus because whatever service, whatever good or service they were providing me or whatever benefit I received from that is not worth the stuff that I think that they're now trying to push. And you will never see me get on here and say, and that's why the government needs to punish Disney. You'll never see that. You'll never see me saying, that's why the government should come in and restrict what Disney can do. I won't say that. But will I adjust my own behavior based off of someone treating me as if they don't want my patronage? Yes. If you're going to treat me as a consumer with contempt, because we might disagree on something that bottom line really doesn't have much to do with what you provide as a product or service, well, then fine, I'll go somewhere else and I will spend my money, which is the most democratic thing that we typically do. It certainly isn't voting once every two to four years or in Virginia every year. It's how we spend our time and how we spend our money. 
But here's going to be the interesting question. And I think we're going to see more and more of this because we're already seeing it. Typically, on the right, or I will say the liberty-oriented right, because there are members of the right that I do not agree with. But on the liberty-oriented right, our view is this. You do you, and as long as you're not infringing on the rights or property of somebody else, you're free to do what you want. And we want to see reality, and, and reality will decide, in many of these cases, what's the best approach. But what ends up happening all too often is that when, when the left gets the freedom to do what they want, it doesn't produce the results they anticipated, and now they go to the government in order to force the results they want. And here's the tragic part. They still don't get what they want. They still don't get the, the wealth and the prosperity and the peace and the freedom that they've promised everyone. What they just get is a lot more violence until at some point people come back and say, you know what, if this is how the game is played, and that's where it gets really dangerous. So I'm hoping that we can settle these differences through voluntary association or just agreeing not to, to leave each other alone. I hope that's how, I hope that's how we're going to actually settle these differences and have these debates in a free and open marketplace, both of goods and services and ideas, because that's the appropriate place to have the conversation. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode. And I think, I'm hoping, I'm not promising yet, I'm hoping this is going to be the final episode that we do in this format. I know this is, you know, not what you're accustomed to. Um, I, huge props to our entire team. They've been working incredibly hard to be able to get the new studio ready to go. There's a lot of work that's gone into that, but we're really excited about both the new studio and the new format. We should be seeing it next week. I'm hoping it's going to be the next episode, but it might be the one after that. We'll see what happens. But either way, we will continue to be back providing you two episodes a week in order to help you make the arguments to defend a free society. Once again, I'm Nick Freitas with Making the Argument, and we'll see you next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to goodranchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, goodranchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick. And once again, thank you for listening.